Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. So, pretty much on today's episode, it's going to be a mixed bag of a lot of things. The sports world is popping off right now, and there's a lot to highlight. I want to talk about the MLB hot stove, some of the biggest new additions to teams, how they're going to change everything and affect everything, my instant reaction to some of the NFL games right now, my NFL playoff picture outlook, coaching changes, and potentially who I think are the clear-cut contenders to win the Super Bowl. It's a loaded episode that you're going to want to stay tuned for. Enjoy after a quick word from a new sponsor. So boy, oh boy, is Major League Baseball in an interesting situation right now. There's a lot to cover. Specifically in my intro, I talked about how I wanted to talk about the hot stove and everything going on. Starting right at the top... There's been some really, really big um, changes this year in the offseason. The hot stove is legitimately hot this year, and it's like no other. Uh, Corey Kluber, most recently today, was traded to the Texas Rangers for right-hander Emmanuel Clase and outfielder Delino DeShields. Corey Kluber is a two-time CY Young winner who will immediately in my opinion, make an impact on the Texas Rangers. For Cleveland, it's the signal of really a change from that team that was contending for a ring a few years ago to a team that's really got to start over. Corey Kluber did not have the best season last year, 2-3 and record, 5.8 ERA, 38 strikeouts. Texas gives him an opportunity to kind of restart and improve. It's a big, big trade, and a two-time CY Young winner now finds himself in Texas, whereas Cleveland now gets Delino to Shields and Emmanuel Clays, two pretty solid additions to the squad as they continue to look to potentially rebuild and potentially trade Francisco Lindor, which there's been rumblings about. Continuing to move down and headline some top stories, Blake Trinan went from Oakland to Los Angeles on a one-year deal. He had a 4.91 ERA last year, 59 Ks, and 16 saves. He's a really reliable relief pitcher and a pretty solid ad for that Los Angeles Dodgers bullpen and a significant loss for the Oakland Athletics. Didi Gregorius, this one hits home as a diehard Yankee fan. He had to fill in for a fan favorite, Derek Jeter, when Jeter retired. He was handpicked by Brian Cashman from the Atlanta or the, the Arizona Diamondbacks to come here and take Jeter's role and really try to fill in the best he could for a guy who left immensely large shoes to fill and he did an impeccable job of that he was a big energy builder in the past few years and or not energy builder energy provider in the past few years he's an electric athlete and was a key part of the squad Now he gets to reunite with his former manager, Joe Girardi, with the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Yankees now have not a void at shortstop, but they now suffer a loss at shortstop, which will now likely be filled by rookie phenom, well, not rookie phenom, young phenom, Labor Torres, who had an absolutely outstanding second year last year in the majors and in my opinion, will likely slot in at shortstop with DJ LeMahieu at second base and make a pretty damn good second base shortstop combo. Um, Continuing to roll down, Anthony Rendon. He was one of the best players in all of baseball last season. With a three nineteen average, 34 homers, and 126 RBIs, he was a significant piece of the Washington Nationals' run to the World Series and their win in it. 
he got a big, big money deal. Seven-year contract to go from Washington to the Los Angeles Angels and kind of be the complementary piece with Mike Trout and pairing an MVP-caliber player and Anthony Rendon with a MVP-caliber player and one of the greatest, in my opinion, to ever do it and the greatest in our generation, Mike Trout, is an absolutely outstanding move by the Los Angeles Angels. And getting a guy of Anthony Rendon's caliber is absolutely... It's just such a damn good addition that I'm very impressed by the Angels. If they can go out there and get Dallas Keuchel or another top-line pitcher, it'd be a really impressive offseason for them that could potentially result in significant success next season. But having Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, and Mike Trout is a really cool 3-4-5 punch that Los Angeles will now be able to provide. Um, Continuing my Yankees... Um, opinions slightly. Anthony, or bleh, Austin Romine, the backup catcher for the past few years, who had a two eighty one average, eight homers, and thirty five RBIs this past season, especially in the wake of, you know, whenever Gary Sanchez needed a break to work with some other pitchers. You know, Austin's been a key piece of this team for a few years now, and he signed a one year deal to go to Detroit. He could definitely compete for a lot of at bats there and be a key piece in that organization lineup next season. And good for Austin, you know, he's getting an opportunity to shine more, potentially in Detroit, whereas he really didn't have that opportunity behind a core piece in Gary Sanchez here. Uh, Michael Waka, he was a key piece for the St. Louis Cardinals, and now he'll go to the New York Mets. Last season, 6-7 and seven record, 4.76 ERA, 104 Ks. He'll now join the Mets on a one-year deal. Continuing down, um, some really, really big ones, uh, including... Garrett Cole, um, this deal was one that obviously drew a ton of attention and for good circumstance. Garrett Cole is now a New York Yankee and the highest paid pitcher in baseball history. He signed a nine-year deal to join the squad and it was a biggie. Garrett Cole will now become the clear-cut ace of the staff and, you know, for a guy who dreamed of being a Yankee as a kid. He was the Yankees' first-round pick in the 2008 MLB draft. He declined to go to the Yankees and actually came out later on and waited another year, or waited for more years, and ended up in Pittsburgh with the Pirates. He played really, really damn good there, went to the Astros last season, and cemented himself as one of the best pitchers in the world. He joins the Yankees as a clear-cut ace, and establishes a significantly improved rotation now with Garrett Cole, James Paxton, Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, and potentially either Domingo Herman when he comes back from suspension, or some other young guys could slot in that role, Jordan Montgomery, um, Jonathan Seeger, a couple guys who come to mind, Jonathan or J.A. Happ, um, another guy who could potentially fit that role but Garrett Cole 324 million dollars over nine years a lot of money to owe him and combined between Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole they're going to be paying 674 million dollars to the two men over the next few years which is absolutely insane but you know as a Yankee fan I'm pretty happy with the addition and on a baseball standpoint I think this significantly establishes the New York Yankees as the perennial contender heading into next season especially since Anthony Rendon is now no longer part of the Washington Nationals organization. But speaking of one key piece that the Nationals did bring back, the Washington Nationals brought back 
Steven Strasburg for another year. He was the World Series MVP, a key piece in that World Series run, and they brought him back on a seven-year, $245 million contract. And he's a key piece to that organization and good for the Nationals to lock down at least him or Rendon. Cole Hamels is going from the Cubs to the Atlanta Braves on a one-year deal. He had a 7-7 seven and seven record with a 3.81 ERA last season, 143 strikeouts. I did mention the pitching situation with the Los Angeles Angels, but a move that I kind of glossed over that is worth bringing up. Dylan Bundy, he was a key pitcher within the Baltimore Orioles organization for the past few years. A guy who kind of didn't really live up to the expectations to be a clear-cut ace, but now could get the opportunity for some significant um, role within the Los Angeles Angels rotation. He had a 7-14 ERA, or 7-14 record last season, 4.79 ERA, and 162 Ks. He now joins the Los Angeles Angels in exchange for minor league right-hand pitchers Kyle Bradish, Isaac Matson, Kyle Brnovich, and Zach Peak. He likely will slot in in that rotation as a front-of-the-line starter and could play a key piece in the next few seasons. Mike Moustakis went from the Milwaukee Brewers, where he had a 200... Or, blah, 254 average, 35 homers, and 87 RBIs last season, and he joins the Cincinnati Reds on a four-year deal. Big ad for Cincinnati, gaining a power bat at third base. Um, kind of thinking big moves as well. You know, Tommy Pham went from the Tampa Bay Rays to the San Diego Padres in exchange for minor league shortstop Xavier Edwards, outfielder Hunter Renfro, a player to be named later, and he was traded along with Jay Cron and Worth shortstop. And Pham had a two seventy three average, 21 homers, and 68 RBIs last season. And he's a guy who could be a under-the-radar difference maker to the San Diego Padres. Kyle Gibson signed a three-year deal to join the Texas Rangers, and he'll now be in Texas along with Ky- or Corey Kluber, which is a pretty big addition for... Um, the Rangers, they now have two pretty good starters to join the rotation. He had a 4.84 ERA last season, 160 Ks, and a 13-7 and record. Along with all of this, a addition that just occurred before I touch on, um, Zach Wheeler, um, Madison Bumgarner, actually, as I'm recording this episode, has signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks on... And he will get $85 million over five years. Pretty big deal for him to join the Diamondbacks and leave the San Francisco Giants, a team he's been a part of for a while, had a lot of success there. And now touching on one more pitcher before I close off this segment, Zach Wheeler, a key piece in the New York Mets rotation for the past few years, joins the Philadelphia Phillies on a five-year deal. He had an 11-8 record last season, 3.96 ERA and 195 Ks. Big-time pitcher joins the Phillies, and it's a big-time deal. Um, Howie Kendrick, a absolute key piece last year, another guy to touch on. He joined or he re-signed with the Washington Nationals. He had a three forty four average, seventeen homers, and sixty two RBIs last season. And it'll be cool to see him remain within Washington. Um, two big things to kind of highlight. Adam Jones. He's a guy who was in Baltimore for a long time, key piece in that organization, and then went to Arizona and had a 260 average, 16 homers, and 67 RBIs in an expensive veteran role last season. And rather than pursue a cheap veteran deal, he decided to sign with the Oryx Buffaloes of the 
um, Japanese Baseball League, and this is a pretty groundbreaking decision in the sense of he pursued an opportunity to gain some more money and notoriety in Japan rather than play in a veteran role in America, and could this be a route that he's paving for potential veterans to go down in the future will remain to be seen. One of the big, big situations occurring right now is MLB Commissioner Rob Manford is potentially not going to re-up the deal with a minor league baseball or minor league baseball league or however I want to word that, but to be the farm systems of the major league baseball teams. Negotiations fell stagnant simply because the MLB is not willing to pay a lot of the costs for the minor league baseball and would also want to shut down 42 minor league franchises. And this is significant because a lot of these minor league teams employ lots of people, employ lots of players, and this is a pretty groundbreaking thing to say we might not re-up the deal with minor league baseball. And minor league baseball not only provides economic growth, but it also brings communities together. And on that level, you know, it's a thing that has been a staple of major league baseball for a long time. And if Rob Manfred blows this, I think he's going to get a very bad reputation in the bigger picture. And it would be very disappointing to see him not re-up the deal with minor league baseball. So pretty much that's a big MLB rundown for the past folk, or bleh, past couple weeks. And um, yeah, it's been the hot stove has been brewing and there's been a lot of headlines currently. And that's the rundown on MLB. So as I continue to film this episode, I want to run down on the NFL scores. So with few weeks remaining, week 15 of 17, the MLB or bleh, the NFL playoff race is heating up and a lot of scores from the early games to run down. But starting with the Thursday night game, Jets and Ravens, Lamar Jackson really cemented himself as the MVP this year with an impeccable performance against a Jets run defense that is ranked in the top five of the league this year. Um, he ran all over them and he impressed. They beat the Jets 42-21 in a game where Sam Darnold actually played pretty well as well. Um, the Jets played, I think, better than most people thought they were going to. They did give up a lot of opportunities for points within the red zone that they probably kicked themselves for because this could have been a less embarrassing game. Still, the Jets lose to the Ravens 42-21. Jets sink to 5-9, and nine, and the Ravens continue to build a case for one of the top teams in the NFL, which right now you can make the case they are the top team in the NFL and the team to beat for the Super Bowl. Next, the Bears and Packers today. The Packers beat the Bears 21-13 and likely knocked the Bears firmly out of the playoff picture and sent themselves to the playoffs. Um, the Packers played really well. The Bears continue to have something missing from the run they had last year whether it's the loss of Vic Vangio on defense that I don't think gets talked about enough, but it may be more the Matt Nagy offense is not doing as well within Chicago this year as they had. They did lose Jordan Howard as well, which may have knocked Tariq Cohen from being that dynamic back he used to be and had a ripple effect. Their offensive line is really not good. They could use another top weapon at wide receiver, and Mitch Trubisky is really not the guy. There's a lot of holes on that team, and being a playoff team was not something that probably would have been great for them. They could still make the playoffs, I believe. They are at a 7-7 seven and seven record. They could go 9-7 and seven with some luck, potentially make the playoffs, but I don't see that happening at this moment. 
But big win for the Packers as they now go to 11-3 and and firmly lock down a playoff spot. Continuing on with the day's slate, Patriots beat the Bengals in a controversial game because of the controversy surrounding Patriots filming the Bengals right now, which I still don't understand why the Patriots thought to film the Bengals, but, you know, any wins win, and a team that was skidding right now gets a statement win over a team that there's a lot of controversy around this whole situation. They win 34-13 against a team they should have beat probably a little more handedly. Um, the Patriots still are 11-3, and although they are skidding right now and have lost to three of the top teams in the AFC, the Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs, and Baltimore Ravens. They did beat the 1-13 Bengals, but maybe not as handedly, handedly as an 11-3 team should have. But Patriots continue their march, and the Bengals continue their march for Joe Burrow, the Heisman winner. Seahawks win 30-24 to over the Panthers. And Russell Wilson was phenomenal. 286, two touchdowns, and a really good day. Chris Carson, 133 yards and two scores. And Tyler Lockett, 120 for a score as well. On defense, um, an interception for Bobby Wagner and two picks for K.J. Wright. Really good performance from the Seattle Seahawks today as they beat the Carolina Panthers. And Kyle Allen at threw three interceptions. Christian McCaffrey ran for two TDs. Still wasn't enough. Panthers sink to five and nine. Seahawks continue their dominance at eleven and three. Texans Titans the battle for sole possession of the AFC South in first place. The Texans win nine or win twenty four to twenty one, advance to nine and five as Deshaun Watson didn't play his best, but two forty three, two scores and two picks and a solid day. Carlos Hyde, 104 yards and a score. Pretty good day for him. DeAndre Hopkins had 119 yards. Kenny Stills had 35 and two touchdowns. So pretty good day. Zach Cunningham and B.J. McKinney had half sack each. And Charles Umeni, who had a sack. And Whitney Merciless had a pick. Pretty good day for the Texans defense as well. And successful as they win. Ryan Tannehill, his Hall of Fame stretch... Fell a little stagnant today as he threw for 279, two scores, and a pick. Derrick Henry had 86 yards. And A.J. Brown continued heating up as he's a guy a lot of people picked up in the fantasy football leagues. And in the playoffs, he's benefiting people significantly. 114 yards and a touchdown as the Titans continue to stay hot and go to 8-6. and six, But they did lose and lose sole possession of the first place in the AFC South. And potentially could have booted themselves out of the playoff conversation with this loss if the if the Steelers win tonight and it could be an interesting situation because if Buffalo wins they could lock down the wild card spot um or they will lock down the wild card spot but the Patriots are in the Chiefs are in the Ravens are in Texans could still lose sole possession or lose possession of the AFC South so something to watch over the next few weeks they would have the tiebreaker, though. Uh, the Giants beat the Dolphins 36-20. Um, this was kind of Eli Manning's final bow. His final home game with the Giants, likely of his career. Two touchdowns, three picks, 283 20 for 28. Saquon, 112 yards and two scores. Golden Tate won a really impressive 51-yard score. And 111 yards for Sterling Shepard. But overall, the theme of the day really was the final goodbye of Eli Manning and Ryan Fitzpatrick, 279, two scores. 
uh, solid day for him as well. And both teams now 3-11, and and Dolphins all of a sudden may be creeping back up in the NFL, or NFL draft order. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles continue to try to fight for an NFC East win as they beat the Washington Redskins 37-27 today. The Redskins fall to 3-11 and as Dwayne Haskins actually played one of his best games of his pro career to this point. 261 yards, two scores. Adrian Peterson had 66 yards and a score. Um, Terry McLaurin had 130 yards, a score, and five receptions. And um, Ryan Anderson had two sacks. Um, pretty much Redskins, they're 3-11. and They're going to have a high draft pick. That's pretty much all there is to say about that. And the Eagles are 7-7 seven and seven and likely going to fight next week against Dallas for the NFC Championship or NFC East Championship. Broncos Chiefs, Drew Locke's impressive start to his NFL career falls flat today as he throws for 208 yards, one pick, but the real glaring stat was 18 for 40 as he had 22 incompletions. Philip Lindsay, seven rushes for 32 yards. Cortland Sutton, four receptions, 79 yards. Um, two sacks for uh, two sacks for Shelby Harris today, but the story was the Chiefs. Patrick Holmes, 340 Yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and an impressive day. Darwin Thompson, eight carries for 38 yards. Friend of the show. Impressive to see him continue playing well. Tyree Kill, two touchdowns, 67 yards. Travis Kelsey, 142 yards. Tyron Matthew ripped the guy's head off today for a sack. Um, Juwan Thornhill with a pick. And the Chiefs continue their dominance at 10-4 and four and could potentially be fighting for a top seed in the AFC and maybe that bye. And the Broncos likely knocked themselves out of any consideration for the playoffs and kind of raised some eyebrows with the loss just because of Drew Locke's not the best performance today. But this team fights hard for Vic Vangio and they really look good aside from today as of recently. And the Buccaneers beat the Lions 38-17. Um, Jameis Winston with a fractured thumb threw for 458 yards, four touchdowns and a pick. An absolutely amazing day with a fractured thumb. And um, Rashad Perriman had three touchdowns, 113 yards. Uh, Scott Miller had a score. Uh, Chris Godwin, 121 yards, you know, O.J. Howard, 46 yards, defense, Levante David, Shaquille Barrett, Sean Bunting, um, Andrew Adams just all played really good today, but the real highlight of the day was Jameis Winston with a broken, well, with a fracture, leading this Buccaneers team to 7-7, seven and seven, legitimately could get a wild card spot, and Jameis Winston has quietly had a really impressive year, in my opinion. He, something a lot of people are ignoring this year, 4,573 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 24 picks. A guy who's really actually had a very impressive year. And the Lions, Derek Blau, 262 picks. You know, I think he's kind of made a statement that he's earned a backup job probably for the rest of his career. Um, Hillis had two touchdowns for the Lions. They fall to three, ten, and one. Uh, Matt Patricia's job security could be a question as the season falls to an end. Kind of an Adam Gase type situation like last year, where do they want to keep going with him as the head coach of this squad? But the Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, 
Uh, very impressive performance today against Detroit. And the current games right now, the Jaguars are down 16-3 against the Raiders. Raiders at home. The Jaguars are about to go through some major overhauls. Doug Marone will likely lose his job. The GM could lose his job, and they may fall to 4-10 and 10 as long as the game continues down the route it's going. The Raiders are... Or, well, they are driving right now. It's 4th and 21 at the Oakland 25. Uh, they could get a field goal here and make this game a little more interesting. But Raiders 6-7 and seven could advance to 7-7 seven and seven with a win today and continue to maybe claw their way into the playoff conversation, I guess, towards the end of the season. Uh, Cardinals 21, Browns 17 right now is the third quarter drawing to a close. Kyler Murray... He's 202, one score right now, and a pick. Kenyon Drake, 64 yards and two touchdowns as the game starts to draw to a close. They're 3 9 and 1. The Browns are 6 and 7. This could be the game that knocks the Browns out of the playoff conversation firmly and kind of establishes Kyler Murray's rookie season as how good it's actually been. Uh, the Chargers are getting beat handedly against the Vikings. They're down by 15 right now as the third quarter is really just beginning. Uh, the Vikings nine and four. They're down, or they're up by fifteen. And Kirk Cousins has a touchdown and a pick. But something to watch is Dalvin Cook is out for the game, and that means that Alexander Madison will and Boone will likely go. Uh, Boone will likely be the lead running backs, and Adam Thielen's return game twenty seven yards at this point. And for the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, 186, one touchdown, one pick. And it's really becoming glaringly obvious that he may no longer be the answer for this team anymore. Cowboys are up 28-7 at halftime against the Rams, and they're beating them handedly. Dak Prescott, 160 yards, two scores. Um, Tavon Austin, one beautiful 59-yard score. Jason Witten, four receptions, 36 yards, and a touchdown. And Dallas really could win today and knock the Rams out of the playoff conversation and throw themselves into a legitimate NFC East battle next week in Week 16. Uh, Falcons 49ers, tied game right now, 10-10, and that's something to watch as the game wears on. I do think, though, the 49ers 11-2 with a win today continue to establish themselves as the top team in the NFC. Even with a loss, I still think they're the top team in the NFC. Bills Steelers. Bills playing for their AFC wildcard berth. And Steelers playing tonight with Devlin Hodges to continuously make the statement that they are the team to beat in the wildcard race. If they can win tonight, they could. A win tonight and a win next week will put them in the playoff or the playoffs. And that would be absolutely impressive because losing Juju Smith. And James Conner for part of the season losing Big Ben, Mason Rudolph, and or Mason Rudolph scandal, whatever, but his poor performance getting him benched, you know, all the adversity they've had to overcome and phenomenal coaching job by Mike Tomlin and Devlin Duck Hodges leading this team to an eight and five record. Um yeah, I do think that in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh pulls it off tonight against the Bills, but both teams will will likely, in my opinion, be the wildcard teams this year in the AFC or along with maybe the Tennessee Titans. I think either the Titans, Steelers get it, and the Bills. With that said, Colts-Saints, Monday Night Football, uh, big game. If the Colts can win that game and win out, they could make a statement to potentially 
claw their way back into the AFC playoff picture, which could be highly unlikely. But the Saints could win this game and with a 49ers loss, take a bye into the playoffs, which they could potentially be the number one seed in. Uh, With that said, there are four in each conference clear-cut teams to me that are Super Bowl contenders, and I do want to highlight those quickly. The Houston Texans, 9-5, they're a damn good team. Deshaun Watson, excellent quarterback. Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, running back committee, has been phenomenal. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, some speedy receivers who struggled to stay healthy, and a really good all-around defense. This team has been impressive, in my opinion, all year. If they can get a bye, that could make a difference. They're 5-2 and two at home this year and 4-3 and three on the road. This Texans squad is a team to watch in the playoffs, but they aren't, to me, one of the clear top three teams in the AFC, but a team that could make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, Steelers, Titans, as I highlighted, as well as the Bills are potential playoff teams. Um, Can't see any of them other than the Bills making a legitimate run. I actually, in my opinion, see the Bills making more of a run than the Texans, which is why I think the Texans, I, I just said it, but... When I was thinking about this at the start, were my clear-cut team. But the Bills have overcome adversity this year, and I think the Bills 9-4 and four make more of a case, in my opinion, to be the team, one of the clear-cut four teams. But I like the Bills. Um, I like the Texans. Both are going to make some noise in the playoffs. But this is a three-horse race. The New England Patriots, who you can really never count out because they come alive in the playoffs, and you never know if they're sandbagging because they're a masterful football team. The Chiefs, who are now finding that rhythm that they had at this time last year and are at 10-4 and four and locked down the AFC West, locked down that playoff spot, and could um, potentially get a number one seed if the Patriots lose. And the Ravens are the clear-cut team in the AFC that could represent them in the Super Bowl. I'd say Ravens, Chiefs, Patriots, the top three teams – Bills, Texans fighting for that fourth spot. Both teams could make some noise in the playoffs. Eagles, 7-7. Seven and seven. Cowboys, 6-7. and seven. One of those two teams is going to win the NFC East, obviously. Uh, neither team, in my opinion, will make a strong run. I do think the Eagles could make more of a run than the Cowboys. Uh, actually, no. Because of the unhealthy wide receivers, I'd say the Cowboys could make more of a run, actually because their defense is a little stronger, in my opinion. But I don't think either of those teams make a run in the playoffs. I think the wild card representatives in the Vikings and the Seahawks are going to be that damn good. Uh, the 49ers, Seahawks, Packers, and Saints are the clear-cut four in this conference. I think the win with the Vikings today could establish that as well. But Saints, Vikings, Packers, Seahawks, Niners, those are five teams. And I kind of can't give you one clear team that's going to represent the NFC. I think the Packers are the most veteran-filled team with a young head coach. 49ers are the Rams last year, in my opinion. I think they have so much versatility and so much working on both ends of the ball that I think they're the most dynamic team. I think the Seahawks are a veteran-led team that's been there before and knows how to win in the playoffs that you can never really underestimate. The Vikings... Kirk Cousins has come alive, but playoff football has never seemed to be his thing. And the Saints um, will never seem to be his thing in the long run. Saints, 10-3, and 
I mean, they could be that team as well. But in my opinion, I'd say the Saints, Packers, and Niners, Seahawks are the four clear-cut teams in this conference. And there's not really a doubt about it in my eyes. If I had to make a Super Bowl prediction right now, I'd say Seahawks and Ravens. So yeah, that's my my NFL rundown. I don't feel too great about my Super Bowl prediction, but in the high oh Kenyon Drake another rushing touchdown, big day for him today. But in the overview, I do believe that um, there's some really good NFC teams, really good AFC teams. The Ravens are the most dynamic team right now. I think the Seahawks are the most underestimated team in the NFC right now, and I could really see the two of them matching in the Super Bowl. Um, but it's been a damn good year of NFL football, and it's very sad to see it end, but I'm very intrigued to see how the playoffs go, how award races go, and it's going to be an amazing finish to the year. I did want to touch on the coaching carousel quickly. Um, Jason Garrett will likely be out in Dallas. Doug Marone likely will be out in Jacksonville. Uh, Ron Rivera was fired from the Carolina Panthers. They'll be looking for a new head coach this year. Uh, Redskins and Giants will be looking for a new head coach. Lions could lose their head coach. Uh, Giants, in my opinion, I think Matt Rule is the guy who gets that job. He's got the ties to the Giants when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago. He's a program rebuilder, and I think with Charlie Brewer um, and some of the other key pieces continuing to get older, he's proved that he can reinvigorate a team in pro style, and he's really ready, I think, in my opinion, to take the next step to the pro level, and I think he will do that. Whether it be this year or next year, I think the Giants would be the fit for him. Um if he's going to do that. And that's a team to really look out for in that race. Uh, the NFL is wild. So that's why I think... A big prediction would be... The Cowboys... Landing... Lincoln Riley. Part of me really could see it happening... But I don't think it. Uh, I don't think Lincoln leaves Oklahoma, even though he doesn't have the real dead set plan for next year. I think that Lincoln stays at Oklahoma for now. But I th- think that if he's ever going to leave, that would be his dream job. So I don't know. Um, there may be mutual interest there, but I do like the. Um, I do like Urban Meyer potentially being the guy there. There's been rumors and rumblings that there's mutual interest there. So I'd say maybe Urban Meyer goes to Dallas. Matt Rule goes to the Giants. Ron Rivera goes to Cleveland because I think they need that guy there. And I think John Dorsey and Ron Rivera would be an absolutely phenomenal duo. So I think Rule, New York, Ron, Cleveland, um, Dallas, Urban Meyer, he's a marketable head coach as well. Jacksonville, John DeFilippo, he's the offensive coordinator right now. He's been the Gardner Minshew guy. I think if they're going to move forward with Gardner Minshew, he's the answer. I think John DeFilippo is a quarterback mastermind, and I think that he's a guy who really gets underrated, and I think it's finally time for him to see what he can do as a head coach. I don't know how much success they're going to have with him, But of these moves, it's probably the one I don't like the most. But um, 
Another thing I do want to highlight about the Giants, although I could see Matt Rule getting the job, and I do think it'll be him, Ron Rivera could be a guy to watch for because of his ties to Dave Gettleman. Um, and I could see that happening. So, John Filippo could be the guy there. Atlanta Falcons? Hmm. This one's hard. I didn't mention that originally, but this could be the guy. Um, I could see... Maybe... I don't know. I know Dan Quinn's going to definitely get fired. There's no way he doesn't, but... Man. I don't know. I think... Pardon me, thinks maybe Mike McCarthy, Eric Bieniemy could be guys here, Greg Roman. <sighs> I think maybe Mike McCarthy gets it. I think he would work really good with Matt Ryan, and I think that'd be a good matchup. Um, I think it'd be a good combo. Carolina Panthers. You know, pardon me, always wants to say Josh McDaniels gets one of these jobs and starts to take over an NFL franchise. But I just can't. I can't see it happening this year, maybe. I think, if anything, maybe Dan Campbell could be a guy. But, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I guess... If I had to give a prediction for the Carolina Panthers job, Greg Roman or Eric Bieniemy, Yeah, just Greg Roman. I'll go with him. And Washington, Greg Williams or Eric Bieniemy. I think Greg Williams has ties there. He'll get an interview. Um, but, yeah, I think Greg Williams becomes the head coach for the Washington Redskins. New York Giants, Matt Rule. Dallas Cowboys, Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars, John DiFilippo, uh, Cleveland Browns, Ron Rivera, Washington Redskins, Greg Williams, and then Carolina Panthers, Greg Roman, and Atlanta Falcons, Mike McCarthy. I might have repeated a few of those. So that's my coaching carousel predictions, NFL playoff predictions, playoff picture outlook, and a big NFL rundown. I ran down the NFL and the MLB. I'm going to tie it all together at the end right here. But a quick word from our sponsors. What a mixed bag episode. You know, it's a loaded episode. Um, I really like doing these episodes. They're fun for me to do, kind of put my thoughts um, into a recording. Uh, a lot of craziness in the MLB and the NFL right now that I wanted to highlight. I really love um, this season of NFL football. And although I did give my Super Bowl prediction at this time, it could definitely change. And I'll probably reevaluate following the regular season. With that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Reminder, you can listen at all platforms that you listen to your podcasts. Um, I want to thank some of the new charity promotions coming on. It's the holiday season. Please listen to these things These things wild, wisely. New Year's Eve's coming up. You know, never drink and drive. Holidays, pets. Um, uh, really consider maybe getting a shelter pet. And I obviously want to thank Anchor for always being a lead sponsor in the podcast. Happy holidays to everyone. I will continue to repeat that as the holidays ring near. Um, I want to 
personally shout out the episode with Nicole Anthony from Big Brother that is now the highest grossing episode of Ambitious in history. And reminder, you can follow us at Ambitious Podcast, at Ambitious with DP on Twitter, at Ambitious Podcast is Instagram. I hope everyone has a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners, and tune back in next week for another great episode.